Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And back for another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys, John, Roger, Neil, myself, Bob. And it is the day we're recording this Wednesday morning. This is the day after the midterm elections. And uh, guys, how you doing? Great. Doing okay, Bob. How are you? Well, okay, except uh, I think a lot of us are reeling this morning with a night that did not go as a lot of people expected. Uh, There was a question, is it going to be a red wave or could it be a red tsunami? As it turns out, it was basically a pink splash, and we don't even know if it's going to be that yet. Uh, So just a, a quick overview here, where we stand at this point. Will Republicans take control of the U.S. Senate? We just don't know. Uh, as of now, there are still it's 48 to 48, and there are four seats that are still in question. Arizona, and so far it's looking like the Democrat Mark Kelly is going to take Arizona, but they only got 63% reporting. Georgia, huh, Raphael Warnock slightly ahead of Herschel Walker uh, with 98% reporting. However, Georgia law says you need 50% or you have to have a runoff. So there is going to be a runoff election in Georgia. Then you get to Nevada. Uh, In Nevada, 72% reporting. You have the Republican, uh, Laxalt, who is slightly ahead. So Nevada's probably going to go Republican. That would give the Republicans 49. Wisconsin, the Republican Ron Johnson is slightly ahead with 99% in. So let's say that sticks. He's about a percentage up. So Wisconsin and Nevada will probably go in the Senate to Republicans. That gives Republicans the same 50 that they had before. So now we look at what happens in Arizona and Georgia. Arizona is probably going to go to Mark Kelly, the Democrat, which means you have to be kidding me. When the dust settles, we're sitting at 50-50, and we have to have a runoff election in Georgia, and it will come down to a runoff to decide whether Republicans get control of the of the Senate or not. Uh, that'll happen in a few weeks. And so, wow, if you think uh, Hollywood and George Soros and all of the Democrats around the country, if you think that they have been pouring millions of dollars into buying elections before, wait until we see this deja vu all over again in Georgia. So we got that situation. Pennsylvania kind of thought Mehmet Oz would pull it out, but nope, John Fetterman uh, wins the Senate race in, uh, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Of course, Colorado, John could just not bring Joe O'Day in. Uh, We'll blame John for Colorado. Uh, So anyway, bottom line, the Senate is going to be up in question, and it looks like it's going to be a runoff election in Georgia to determine whether Republicans have control of the Senate. And here's the staggering thing. Republicans, we don't even know if they're going to get control of the House. Uh, At this point, 435 seats total. You need 218 to get control. Republicans only have 199. Democrats have 172. There are 64 House seats that are still undecided. Now, NBC News is estimating just their best guess based on the numbers now. It looks like the Republicans will 
barely get control of the House, picking up a total net of just seven seats, giving them a 220 to 215 uh, lead, which is extremely razor thin. And what's important here is that if you go back to the 1930s up to today, Midterm elections, the opposing party of the president, have averaged a 28-seat gain. Yet here, you have probably what will be a 7-seat gain when the dust settles. The governor races, uh, Michigan, New York, Colorado, California. Uh, the Democrats ran the table in all of those as well. Uh, and it just it begs some questions. How in the world did this happen when you've got the Biden presidency that's such a disaster, inflation over 8%, gas prices so high, crime through the roof, open borders, uh, drag queens teaching our kindergartners in schools, the divisive nature of Biden and the Democrats right now calling Republicans fascists and domestic terrorists and threats on democracy, uh, and then the Democrats ignoring what the people say they care about, like inflation, crime, and such, and instead push their woke policies and their Trump-hate divisiveness. And somehow, the Democrats end up winning the day yesterday. What in the world is going on? So we are going to try to analyze this as best we can through the course of this hour. And so let's go around the the, the table if we could. And uh, John, I'd like to start with you in Colorado. Uh, I don't think anybody really expected that uh, Bennett was going to lose to O'Day. Uh, it looks like it was a pretty decisive win for the Democrat Michael Bennett there, about 12 points or so, uh, I think, in Colorado. So no real help in the Senate. Uh, same thing with the governor race. Uh, we know that uh, Jared Polis won pretty easily by about 17 points or so over Heidi Gannell. Uh So some of your thoughts about uh, the overall of a uh, result of yesterday and how not only was it not a red wave I don't I'm not even sure we could call it a, a pink splash maybe at the most no I, I I agree Bob and I can sum this up in one word which I told you guys um, several months ago when we had the raid on the Trump house what the Democrats plan was there which I'm not sure any of you believe me maybe you do now because uh, the the left realizes they can beat Trump on any given day and they would love to have him run and the biggest problem we have right now goes down to one word Trump yeah so you think that's what it is you think yep. that uh, Trump was actually a drag on yep. the Republicans yep across the board uh, one of the issues that happened here in Colorado not that I thought you know O'Day here's what the Democrats did and why they're very smart and very Sneaky, by the way, but you know, got to give credit where credit's due. So what they did in Colorado is they knew Joe O'Day was not going to be the you know the the hardcore Tea Party candidate because he did not win the the typical way that you win in the general assembly. He went ahead and and you know he petitioned on to the ballot and then won the primary. They knew that. So what they did while he was running in the primary is they poured a ton of money into his opponent, which was Ron Hanks, which was the the person that won at the assembly. So what they did is they poured money into that campaign. They drained the coffers of O'Day in doing so. And then after all of that happened, O'Day doesn't have the money that he needs. Of course, our side, because we're dumb as rocks, we won't support O'Day because of the things we've talked about on this podcast of late. 
So you add all that up, and then O'Day and Trump get into a big uh, kind of a, a, a you know shouting match back and forth over different things, which again was really stupid. Number one, don't fight with Trump, and don't even get that started because that never ends well. So where we had, in my opinion, guys, one of the weakest Senate candidates in the country in Michael Bennett, we as Republicans could not pull that out because we're that dumb. All right. So uh, the Trump drag, because I'll be honest with you, John, I, I've been sitting there trying to trying to analyze what is it that, that, that caused this People to happen. People don't because, like Trump, period. All right. Period. Well, you know, and look, you you may be right about this. I, I'm very open to the possibility that you're right about this. Uh I, and I, I just, do, by I the way. So everybody listening, I, I'm not anti-Trump, but I'm a want-to-win guy. And if that means Trump has to get out of the way to win, then Trump needs to get out of the way. And my position right now is Trump needs to get out of the way. Okay, now let's explore uh, some other things that it could also possibly be, because one of the one of the uh, possibilities are the Republicans just put forward bad candidates. Okay, we got that. Although, what Democrats didn't put forward bad candidates? John Fetterman. Okay, Raphael Warnock. But anyway, uh, there is the Trump factor. I had that on my list of possibilities that maybe Trump is just a drag on the ticket. Which, by the way. Uh, has got to seriously have him questioning now what he what he's planning on doing next Tuesday because the anticipation is he's going to announce a 2024 run. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other question is uh, the amount of money that was poured into this from George Soros and these kind of you know the the big Democrat money. I don't know about you guys, but here in Michigan, it's like the commercials were. It seemed like it was five to one Democrat and liberal commercials mm-hmm. to to Republican. Uh, the let's face it, corrupt media, lies, censorship, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's also the question of. Fraud. I, I know this is a crazy conspiracy theory thing for people to wonder about, but I can't help but wonder that, especially here in Michigan, a little bit later in this episode, I'll tell you about some of the things that were happening here in Michigan. It's like, wow, maybe the fraud really is big. And then there's also the question of Roe v. Wade. Is it possible Roe v. Wade backlash played into this? And the Democrats have just been more effective at getting the moderates to see America going to pro-life, if you will, and there's backlash from that. So there's a lot of different aspects of this to discuss and analyze. We know John's position on this. Trump is probably the biggest factor, okay? And he may be right. He may very well be right. We want to find out what Roger and Neil think, and we're going to do that coming up next as we continue through this National Crawford Roundtable. In the meantime, we do want to remind everybody, no matter what the reason is, for this happening. If it is Roe v. Wade backlash or or Trump or whatever, with Roe v. Wade overturned, remember, folks, you've got the pro-abortion lobby that's kicking it into high gear. They are on steroids pushing abortion right now and trying to convince women to get abortions. That's why, more than ever, we need to back preborn. All right, Preborn is a pro-life ministry and organization that for a long time has been partnered with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America. And what they do is stop abortions. But here's how they stop abortions, by showing ultrasound images of those unborn babies to the expectant moms. And those moms are seeing images of their baby, the very first picture they've ever seen of their baby, thanks to preborn. And you know something? Statistically, a woman will choose life 83% of the time if she sees an ultrasound image of her baby. Think about that. 83% of the time. 
okay, here's where you folks come in listening to us. It takes money to show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms. $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion. That's why we're asking all of you listening right now, will you give $280 one time to stop 10 abortions? And if you could do more than that, do more than that. If you could do 2,800, you could stop 100 abortions. But 280 for 10 abortions to be stopped, 10 babies' lives saved, will you do that right now? Here's how easy this is. Go online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And you can click on the preborn tab. And right there, you'll see uh, where you can give right there online, okay? 100% of what you give goes straight to funding ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So would you consider this now? Go to crawfordmediagroup.net and uh, click on the preborn tab. You can also give right now over the phone. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY, and just tell them uh, you heard it on the National Crawford Roundtable. Anyway, we appreciate you folks doing that and continuing this post-election kind of post-mortem on the disastrous day that the Republicans had yesterday, catching a lot of people by surprise. Uh, And so as we go around the table, Roger, let me go to you. Roger Marsh, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. Uh, This was no doubt a disastrous day for uh, Republicans, to be sure. I know in California, no real surprise, Gavin Newsom wins by a good 16 points or so. Your Prop 1 passed easily, 65%. Our Prop 3 passed here in Michigan, which they're kind of the same thing. Abortion through all nine months now, getting rid of parental rights, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So notwithstanding what happened in California, what are your general thoughts overall? How do we explain... Uh, how do we explain a red wave, the victory of a red wave, pretty much snatched away from Republicans by this kind of surprise? Well, the only thing I can really point my finger to, I agree with John, the Trump factor has become a huge elephant in the room, literally, that the Republicans have to deal with. I mean, the fact that Ron DeSantis ran the table in Florida and is now the new established head of the Republican Party, Trump supporters are going to have to figure that out to get out of the way. So I I honestly don't understand why Donald Trump, besides his ego, is going to announce on the 16th that he will, in fact, be running for president or whenever he's going to make the announcement next Tuesday. And the, the idea that we, it was a referendum on Trump. I think also, too, one of the things that we were looking for out of the corner of our eye was how many young people are going to show up? Because Democrats were able to raise a ton of campaign cash based on the fact that Roe versus Wade was overturned and all they had to do was say, the Supreme Court stripping away your constitutional freedom, your fundamental rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They never specifically went into what those rights were because what the Roe versus Wade decision basically said was there is no fundamental right to abortion in the Constitution, but they went ahead and they, they you know, played off that anyway. But I think one of the, the big wild card was what animated younger voters in the Democrat Party was abortion, and it didn't animate anybody. It didn't really move the needle anywhere else. So, if we saw laws like in Kentucky, where there was a you know a, basically a constitutional yeah. amendment that would make it anti-abortion, and it was defeated, kind of like it was in Kansas, either they bust a bunch of people in, they did a bunch of ballot harvesting and trafficking to make that thing happen, or they were able to motivate the right people to go to the polls. And quite frankly, next time we all talk to Jason Yates at My Faith Votes, I hope to good Lord that we don't hear the same numbers that we always hear, that 25 million American Christians sat out the election 
because they didn't think it mattered or they were told their vote wasn't going to count or why vote for this it's a corrupt system anyway i'm voting for jesus and you know that that type of stuff i mean jesus is mm -hmm. on the throne he's never on the ballot okay but our right. values are things that we actually do have to stand up for and i think the republican crowd just missed a golden opportunity this may be the beginning of finally the reformation of the conservative movement that says we're going to get away from D's and R's and start voting our values. Hey, uh, talk about that stick in the spoke guy. The Chase Oliver is the guy in Georgia right now who's messing up that whole thing because as a libertarian, he got 80,000 votes and he's keeping either Warnock or uh, Herschel Walker from claiming victory right now. But that speaks to a, a fairly red state with a hint of purple that has a libertarian bent to it. And this guy got 80,000 votes in the Senate race. I mean, for, we have to pay attention to where people are and do a better job of organizing. To John's point, Democrats do a much better job of organizing and mobilizing than Republicans ever will. All right. So going forward then, what is what is the answer for the Republican Party? I, I mean, do they uh, – I, I don't want the Republican Party to go soft on its – pro-life position. Uh, is it as simple as the Republican Party divests itself from Trump? And then maybe that's maybe that's the, the answer going forward, because I got to on the issues, on the policies, the Republican Party is right in line with uh, w with most of America. So if you go by the policies of the two parties, the Republicans should have had a wed red wave yesterday. So is this about personalities? And is it is John Wright? Is this the lion's share of this, the Trump factor? Yeah, I, well, the, the messaging, there's no question about it. I mean, we can only do as much as we can do here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast every week because, quite frankly, I mean, the messaging here is very clear. The Republican platform, far superior to the Democrat platform if you love faith and family and values. But is that messaging getting out there? I mean, all, but it's not just like the People's Republic of California. I, I use as an example a couple of the uh, congressional races here. In District 47, that's the Katie Porter, the uh, 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 not attorney, she's a professor at UC Irvine, uh, going up against Scott Baugh, who's never really held office, but he's been a prominent Republican leader. And they're neck and neck right now in a, in a district that has started leaning more Democrat. They are neck and neck in spite of ballot harvesting. So, I mean, there, there are some people starting to wake up in certain areas, but at the same time, in District 41 out in the Coachella Valley, Ken Calvert, who's been a longtime representative uh, out there in that area, this is a guy who did stand up for supporting uh, the, the Defense of Marriage Act back in the early 90s. Well, he turned tail, and now he's on that rhino bill, uh, the Defense of uh, Respect for Marriage Act, and yet all the billboards around the Coachella Valley said, remember, Ken Calvert tried to get rid of gay marriage. Well, he just voted to affirm it, but nonetheless, he's getting defeated in his own neck of the woods because of the fact that people have this perception that he's anti-gay. So, I mean, the, the messaging on the GOP side is yep. it's far inferior to yep. the messaging on the Democrat Agree, side. Got to start with the messaging first. Agree. All right. Well, then, what does that messaging look like? How should we simplify and, and uh, consolidate well, the GOP messaging? Uh, Roger, I'll tell you what. I want I want to get your take on that in, uh, in just a moment. But before we do, we, we want to remind everybody that, yes, a lot of people, especially a lot of younger people, are upset about Roe v. Wade being overturned. And, of course, they're pushing for uh, the pro-abortion laws and such, and you got a lot of young women that are being lied to right now. And if these young women could just see an image, a picture of their unborn baby, they would let that baby live. So the the, the left, the pro-abortionites, 
They are fighting hard for abortion. The question is, will we as believers in Christ, brothers and sisters of Christ, will we care as much about saving babies' lives as the other side cares about taking babies' lives? This is why I ask you for money, okay? Every time you listen to this podcast, podcast, I'm asking you for money right now for preborn because preborn shows these ultrasound images of babies, unborn babies to their moms. And remember, those moms choose life 83% of the time when they see that image. So here's the dollars, folks. 280 bucks will stop 10 abortions. $280 is the average cost to save 10 babies' lives. That's why we're asking everybody to give $280. Uh, do it to preborn right now if you would. Just go online to crawfordmediagroup.net, crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. You can do it right there. Or you can donate over the phone at 833-850-BABY. Uh, right over the phone, 24 hours a day, they're answering the phones. Right now, 833-850-BABY. But uh, please do that if... Uh, if you would. And so uh, let me, uh, John, real quick then. So what is the message for the Republicans? Okay. The, the, the post-mortem here, the analysis. Okay, fine. I know your first message is going to be divest from Trump. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but then w- once they divest from Trump, how do they consolidate and simplify the message going into 2024 then? Well, I'm not sure that, and I know some may disagree with this, um, I don't know that you can have a universal coast-to-coast message. I think you can have an overarching universal coast-to-coast message, which, by the way, I don't think we have as Republicans and we need. Secondarily, though, Bob, you've been in business. You know you know that end of things. You need to know your market and then market to that market or you know, advertise to that market accordingly. We don't do that very well. We've got a race here in Colorado uh, with with you know Lauren Boebert, which everybody knows her name. She she's not winning at this point. She's behind. There's some votes that may not even get counted until today, and she's confident she'll win. But it shouldn't, Bob, even be that close. But of course, Lauren's a huge Trump supporter. Not saying that's wrong or that Lauren's wrong or anything along those lines, but I'll just be the first to say, I don't feel like Lauren messages very well to the middle. She messages very well to our side, but she doesn't message and market very well to the middle. And unless, Bob, we start marketing to the middle, we're never going to win. All right. Well, then, and that's, that's the challenge here, because how do you market to the middle without compromising principles that we stand on? Because I think we all agree, it's not worth it for me to go soft on abortion if, if that's the only way to market to the middle. It's not worth it to me to, to uh, you know, start waving a rainbow flag and, go, and uh, be okay with drag queens teaching teenagers if that's what it takes to market to the middle. These, it's not okay to me to have an open border if that's the only way you market to the middle. So how do we market to the middle while at the same time standing on our conservative and biblical principles and it's, values? It's, it's how we approach, again, it's like, like the business side. It's how we approach it. I'm, I'm like you. I don't go soft on any of those things. But how mm-hmm. we, you know, it's that old saying. It's not what you say, it's how you say it that the Amen. other side then interprets back. So could Amen. we do a better job of even teaching and training people about the pro-life end of things? I think we absolutely could. And there's so many ways we could do that in the way we message. But, Bob, we flat out don't do it. We just say we're, we're against abortion, ban it all. We're done. Th- that's not yeah, well, the way you're going to message to the middle. Okay, this gets to the candidate then. Then it, then it now gets to the the communication skills of the candidate themselves. We've got Neil Boron with us. I know we had some technical issues. I think we have a Neil back with us now. Uh, Neil, we're trying to unpack what, what the messaging is going forward, but we'd like to get your at least overall uh, view from 35,000 feet of yesterday's 
red wave that was supposed to be, and it ended up being at best a, a pink uh, splash. Well, I thought we had Neil, but maybe you know what? Maybe we don't. Maybe we're still battling with our uh, with our technical issues. Well, he's then. still stunned over the Hokel versus Zelda. <laughs> are we all? <laughs> right, right. That's just, he's completely gobsmacked. Um, you know, to John's point, <laughs> we're talking messaging here. Uh, it is difficult. I, I want to you know acknowledge the fact. I think that we can all acknowledge too. We do have a tendency to overkill, like John said. You know, when it comes to babies and things like that. Think about the pro life movement. I think about our relationship with preborn. I mean, forty five years ago. Uh, pro-lifers were anti-abortion activists who were going out and getting arrested and trying to shut down abortion clinics, firebombing them. I mean, there were some, a couple of abortionists were actually killed. When the pro-life community changed the message and they started focusing on two things. First of all, caring for the woman and child, but then secondly, showing the behind-the-scenes part of how much money was actually coming into this and how this was a business and they didn't care about women and this, that, and the other thing. It's amazing. Now an organization like Preborn can come out and the most effective message is, would you like to see an ultrasound of your baby? They're not talking politics. They're not talking about who's going to win here. They're exactly. not talking about how much money Planned Parenthood gets. They're going to say, look, because they know if you go to a Planned Parenthood clinic, the only way you're going to see an ultrasound is the only person who sees it is the abortionist for guidance for aborting the child. So take a message like that, respect the, the voter in this case, meet them at their need, provide the resourcing that they need, starting with an ultrasound and then with adoption. How many women don't, I mean, I went on a rant on Kamala Harris yesterday because she had the, that inane speech about saying, I think that people of religious faith should still be not right. wanting the government to tell them what to do with their bodies. I said, okay, great. They shouldn't tell you what to do with your body until there's another body growing inside of it. Then that body has rights too. You know, I mean, you, how, how do you not separate the two? But they, they have a difficult time with that on the left. But they also don't have a conscience either. The leftists can say whatever they want to, and no one's going to hold them accountable for it. I mean, let's face it. Election denier Stacey Abrams had to concede her election last night. Mm -hmm. No one calls her an election denier, even though she wouldn't concede in 2018, when she clearly was soundly defeated by Brian Kemp. But all of a sudden, who was the guy? Well, the election denier Doug Mastriano or whatever lost in Pennsylvania. So the Republicans are called election deniers if they question the outcome. But Democrats can say whatever they want to, and it ain't no thing. So the reality is, in terms of the messaging, we have to be willing to say, how do you share your faith with people who are hostile to? You don't come in and hit them over the head with the Bible and say, look, you're going to hell if you don't repent of your sin. Right. You start engaging in conversation, and we have to be a lot more methodical about that, a lot more intentional about that, to John's point. Lauren Boebert can't get up there and say, I love Trump and I love guns. I mean, that worked once, you know, but the world right. changed a lot. Good point, it changed Roger. a lot in the last two years. Yeah. Which, by the way, I was waiting for Stacey Abrams to um, concede both elections, but it looks like she just conceded the <laughs> well, at least uh, we got one. recent election. At least there we got go. one, yeah. yeah. Well, by, by, I, I tell you what. In a, in a state where 31%... And by the way, just so you know, we get about 20 seconds to the break. 31% of the population in Georgia is African-American, and the voter turnout was over 33% for African-Americans, so so much for voter suppression. I know, so true. Uh, in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we are going to continue to unpack and analyze what happened yesterday and and try to figure out what the message is then for 2024. How do Republicans get back on tra track and how do they get that centrist vote without compromising their principles and values? Uh, folks, you can listen to the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast on your regular radio station. Now, if your regular radio station doesn't play that you're listening 
listening to the second half right now, they probably play it at a different time. So go to the website for your uh, radio station locally and then uh, look at the program guide to see where it is. Or you can just listen to the second half online. You can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or, of course, Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also watch video of our podcast at MyHopeNow.com. And the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, Myself, Bob Duco, John Rush, Roger Marsh. Uh, Neil Boron been having some technical issues here, engineering issues. We're hoping to be connected with Neil in the second half at some point. Uh, We're analyzing yesterday's disastrous midterm election day for the Republicans. The anticipation of red wave. Turns out it wasn't even a pink ripple. It was uh, really bad. And and so now, what do Republicans do going forward? Uh, and how do they brand an image? Okay, so, John and Roger, I think you're absolutely right that the Republicans need to figure out how to do a better job in messaging. As we know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but Republicans stink at selling and at messaging yes. and communicating. Yes. They just tend to stink at it. Uh, Democrats seem to be really good at it. you know. And there's a certain measure, we understand this as, as media personalities, there is a certain measure of uh, theatrics and, and uh, uh, entertainment and the way that we communicate. You have to be a little bit of an actor somehow in learning how to even do basic things like uh, adjust your tonality and pace your voice and okay. make facial expressions. Uh, these, these are th- it seems as though Democrats would perform way better in Hollywood auditions than Republicans would on average. And, and maybe I'm just looking for a way to spin this against Democrats, but it's almost as though liberal Democrats are really good at being chameleons and portraying any character that they want to. So they're good at making their eyes water on cue, doing the Bill Clinton biting the bottom lip. I feel your pain. I care about you. Looking in people's eyes and resonating with them, even though it may be phony and fake in many cases, they know how to play that game. Republicans don't. They're like a bunch of engineers trying to show a soft side, and they don't know how to do it. Exactly. And so it begs the that question. Was a, that was a great explanation then, right there, Bob. That was yep, perfect, yep, by the way. That's yep, exactly what so, it is. So how do we how do we get now, now I'll just say, and this is kind of in defense of Republicans, but I don't know what the answer is. I would argue that's because Republicans on average are more authentic and, yes. and just genuine. You know, we were talking about Donald Trump earlier. Whatever we want to say about Donald Trump, you can't picture Donald Trump talking to a black audience and adopting black dialect or making up a fake sad cry face, you know, when he's looking at the mother with the baby. I mean, he, he there's an authenticity that seems to come from Republicans. It's like, hey, this is who I am, and I, I'm not a chameleon. I'm not a Hollywood actor. Uh, but the problem is those independents and those soccer moms and everybody else, they want a Hollywood actor who gives them a verbal hug. So Which, but how do Republicans way, you, do this, John? Well, go back and look at what Ronald Reagan did. He did the very things that you're talking about, I Bob. know. He was but he's still one in a million. Yeah, he, he was. But he's chameleon. one in a million. He, he was himself. and Yeah, right. He's a right. one in a million. But why? I mean... We're smart. Our side is very smart. In fact, I will tell you, I think they're very much as smart, if not smarter, than the other side is. Why can't we learn these things? Because I I think that your average Republican politician 
uh, is just not comfortable being phony. And a lot of these Democrats, look, we know Democrats don't really care about the people that they claim to care about, but they're really good at being phony and portraying themselves as caring about them. They, they portray themselves as, I care about the poor inner city family. Okay, yeah, meanwhile, you're, you're backing and pushing policies that's hurting the poor inner city families. So they don't really care about the things they say they care about, but they're willing to fake it like they do. I just don't think Republicans are willing or able to put on that kind of theatrical faking. And, and that, to me, is what's what's holding them back. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure what the answer is, because Republicans say, let's run on the issues, the results, and the policies that we're going to put forward. Well, that's not making the independent soccer mom feel warm and fuzzy about that candidate. You know, it's interesting. So we've got, yeah, got a situation here in L.A. where uh, the mayor's race is razor thin right now. No one's trying to call it. And you have Karen Bass, who's an African-American congresswoman, many, many terms, uh, is running kind of basically on the, hey, I'm a black woman in L.A., vote for me type of ticket. And I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but that's kind of the way uh, her campaign has run out. And then you've got Rick Caruso, who formerly was a Democrat, who switched to Republican, is kind of doing the Donald Trump business guy type of thing, and actually got a ton of support. I mean, Katy Perry was uh, voting yesterday. They showed her, she did a selfie of herself in the booth pulling the lever for Rick Caruso. The fact that he ha even has a lead right now might be, uh, might give us a little bit of uh, indication as to how uh, a Republican can actually win a a an election in a heavily Democratic county in a heavy Democratic city. And then, of course, we know in the People's Republic, Democrat registered voters outnumber Republicans two to one. But the key to California, the key to all these other places that we've talked about before, is who's handing, handling the middle. 24% of California voters have no party preference registered as their party preference. So the idea that they're basically saying, show me your policies, give me a good advertising campaign, let me feel good about what's going on, and understanding, too, that Republicans have to understand that if you can't soundbite this, if you can't meme what you're talking about and get to people's hearts, it's that quick. People have become that shallow then they're not even a mile wide and an inch deep i mean quite frankly it's just a it's a spit it's a splash it's really no one's immersing themselves in the issues that much anymore except for us and i think the gop's been a little bit slow on the uptake to uh, to figure out that they actually have the goods for what america wants i mean they really do reflect the values they just aren't getting the the, the message across and they're not picking the right candidate ted cruz taking off his tie and just wearing a sport coat you know growing a beard and trying ted cruz is the old gop tea party this that and the other thing there has to be a new wave and it also has to be younger too um let's not forget also we I, i'm proud of us we've gone 35 minutes in this podcast without suggesting that there might be widespread voter fraud uh, but you, when Nancy Pelosi sits back earlier in the week and says, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at the midterms, you know that th some thumbs are greased up and ready to be sitting on some scales somewhere to get the vote counts that they're getting. I'm not saying it's widespread and not saying that it would you know, definitely I impact Congress or this, that, and the other thing on a wide scale. But you know there are a couple of places there have to be you know where there's going right. to be some ballot harvesting ballot uh, uh, trafficking um you know i think about it, i was reading a story yesterday it seemed rather innocuous at the time a judge in georgia determined that there were a thousand absentee ballots that didn't get mailed in time and so he granted that the people who were supposed to get those ballots would now have extra time to turn their elections in not realizing i'd wake up this morning and find out that there's only thirty-five thousand votes separating warnock and walker and if they go to a runoff that it's going to be razor thin 
than then. But those thousand votes might be just kind of a placeholder safety valve for the Democrats in, in Georgia to come sweeping in for Warnock. You never know these days. I mean, that's the thing that we have right. to watch out for. Is you never know. You know, I, about the voter fraud thing, I do have to say, I, last night, uh, it was about midnight, actually, and here in Michigan, the Secretary of State race, our, our current Secretary of State in Michigan, Jocelyn Benson, liberal left-wing Democrat, and, and turns a total blind eye to voter fraud. And, and I believe here in Michigan, we do have a major corruption issue going on with voter fraud. There's like this this un- underground network, this organized underground network uh, of ballot stuffers and everything else. Well, last night, Christina Caramo, who is the, the born-again sister-in-Christ Secretary of State Republican candidate who lost and lost large last night, she called me at midnight last night. She says, Bob, I'm out here in Ann Arbor right now, and there are several of us here, former uh, Michigan State Senator and everything else, and we are watching, we are documenting the, the, the fraud, the fraudulent ballots that are being brought. It was a, she says, it's 11 o'clock at night, and they're still registering new people and bringing in new ballots. And that's a violation of Michigan law that that's not allowed to be done. We even tried calling the police, and the police are like, there's nothing we can do. We talked to the, the county clerk, and the county clerk's like, you know what, take it up with the Secretary of State. It's like, you have to be kidding me. We're watching fake fraudulent ballots right now being being of pumped through the system and it's like what do we do about this you know so i i'm not i'm not going to hang my hat on voter fraud is the issue but what i am saying is i do believe that there's an underground network of democrat operatives that are running this kind of black market fraud thing just like there's a black market in the gun sales and drug sales i think there's a black market underground of this the syndicate network of activists that are doing stuff like this below the radar screen and the rest of us are intimidated into silence to ever mention it lest we look like some kind of trump maga crazy republican conspiracy theorist so there is that issue as well. Uh, I think we're reconnected with Neil. We're going to talk hopefully with Neil coming up next. But we do want to ask everybody right now, if you have not given yet to preborn, please consider doing that this very minute, okay, to save babies' lives. Remember, $28 stops one abortion. $280 stops 10 $2,800 stops 100 How much can you give? It's this simple, folks. I'll go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. And it's a tax write off for you. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, do it now if you would. Remember, it costs money to show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms, but that's what stops the moms from getting an abortion. So, do this now if you would. You can also call them and give right over the phone to 833 850 baby 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So call right now if you would. Here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast as we continue to analyze the disastrous day that Republicans had yesterday. Let's give it a shot. See if we got Neil Boron. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Neil, do we have you with us? Hey, Bob. How are you? All right. Well, uh, Neil, podcast is over, but uh, good talking with you now. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, oh. but by the way, my apologies. This was way beyond my technical control. Something to do with the internal setting and why the computer wasn't recognizing the microphone. And I'm not even sure if I sound any good right now, but I, I'm connected. So that's a step forward. Hey, you know what? You, you sound great. I, I say 
that this is uh, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and everybody else. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going full Illuminati here. No, I'm not just going. Okay. First of all, Neil, what is your? Because I do want to backtrack a little bit and get your overview of what happened yesterday. Well. Uh, pretty sad for conservatives what happened yesterday and the whole idea that some of the things we hoped for didn't happen I did hear you I could hear you earlier talking about you know the red wave actually being a pink trickle um, and I think you're right about that why exactly that happened I don't know um, pretty disheartening nothing major to report here in New York I mean there was some hope at one point that Lee Zeldin the candidate for governor that was a Republican and conservative uh, Trump supporting candidate for governor uh, it, was 20 points behind in July, began to climb into the single digits. There was hope that maybe somehow he could pull off like a election night miracle. That didn't happen. I'm not sure to this moment, right the second, if he's even conceded yet, but uh, it doesn't appear as though he's going to win. Uh, Hochul is, you know, had her victory party and the whole thing. So um, pretty disappointing there. And I th- and then I think another race that some people were sort of tacitly watching was the Letitia James race, New York State Attorney General, like arch enemy number one of Donald Trump. What's interesting is that uh, her challenger kept asking for um, a debate prior to the election. She wouldn't do it, and I, I think we all understand why. I mean, every problem related to crime in New York, which was Lee Zeldin's, you know, platform essentially. Where the day one he said, "If you elect me as governor of New York, I'm declaring a crime emergency in New York State." Um, who was responsible for that? Largely, Letitia James, in many ways, and so um, she didn't want to have to defend her record. Uh, prior to the election, so she shucked and jived and avoided it altogether. I think many people, even on the other side of the aisle, were saying, look, that doesn't look right. I mean, bottom line is, it's it's about democracy to be able to stand up and uh, support your own views, whether people like them or not, to be able to articulate what you say you believe in. But she didn't debate prior to the election and, and won handily. So there really wasn't much else to report in New York State. As far as state-wide races, it's possible. It looks like maybe the uh, New York State Senate. Uh, they've broken the supermajority in the Senate, but that doesn't accomplish a lot, and it's really going to have no impact right now on policy in New York State. So maybe a slight gain there. But otherwise, pretty disappointing as far as New York State goes. And then, you know, I was just listening to some of what you were saying. I only caught the tail end of this other, you know, conversation you were having here about how we communicate messages and stuff. And I, I honestly think that in some ways we just have to go back to um, remembering we have to win people's hearts. And it isn't necessarily just about feelings people get by looking at social media or um, things you're hearing in the mainstream media, you know, the impression you get that the, the country's going well or the country's going, you know, going poorly or that people are upset about the price of gas at the pumps. Where I'm going with this is, for instance, uh, on the abortion issue, highly contested issue, hot-button issue. I mean, there was that leak from the Supreme Court and the overturn of Roe with the Dobbs decision, and so it was pretty heated. And yet, Kathy Hochul, who kept hammering that issue, Lee Zeldin being pro-life, kept hammering that issue, was losing ground in the polls. I don't know what happened on Election Day or why that didn't seem to matter much, but whatever happened to sitting down and explaining to people what the Women's Reproductive Health Act in New York is really all about, do the vast majority of New Yorkers actually know you know, that we're talking about taking the lives of babies a minute and a half before they're born or letting them die on the table if they somehow survive the abortion. 
and I think, you know, it's not that the abortion is going to be the only issue, but just having conversations with people to actually win their hearts. And the reason I say I think this is important is because what I'm noticing, I don't know how you guys feel about it, it just seems like everything is just party line now. Bottom line, if you're, you know, if you've got X number of Democrats, they're all going to vote for you. X number of Republicans, they're all going to vote for you. And there was this conversation just prior to the election about independent women voters, you know, who had been leaning Democrat were all of a sudden leaning Republican I'd love to see the final analysis of where that went because I don't think in the end that had any impact at all. I don't even know what that poll meant. So um, I, I, I just think that saying, hey, we're Republican and we're conservative and those Democrats are bad isn't going to get the job done. That Somebody's got to do boots on the ground, begin connecting with people who are maybe more moderate on the other side and literally form relationships and get into partnerships with them and whatever and help woo them over to conservative values by helping them understand the long-term damage that liberal progressive values are doing to our country. Yeah, so well, that's certainly very true. And uh, it then kind of brings us back to how do Republicans then get that message out going forward, the things that's going to resonate with, uh, you know, with those independent and swing voters. And uh, we're going to get some analysis on that from Roger and from John in just a moment. I do want to remind everybody, though, and we're going to keep on reminding you, give to Preborn if you would. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. All right, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. Remember, this is how you stop abortions. This is how you save babies' lives. Okay, we can do this. Yeah, Roe v. Wade is overturned. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, the pro-abortion movement, they're on steroids right now. That's bad. But remember, Planned Parenthood's number one competitor is Preborn all over the country. Because they're the ones that are convincing women to let their babies live by showing them these ultrasound images. Okay, but you know it takes money to do that. So two hundred eighty dollars will stop ten abortions. Will you do that right now? Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. You can give right there, or just give them a call at eight three three eight five zero baby. They answer the phones 24 hours a day. So you can call right now 833-850-BABY as we work through this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. So. Now, uh, John, let me ask you, in, in the messaging part of this, and I want to get Roger in on this too, but uh, here's part of the challenge. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, okay, because I, I don't know how to get around this. Uh, we, can, we can put out a positive message and stand on our principles. Like for Glenn Youngkin, okay, in Virginia, we saw what he did very successfully, right? Talked about parents, parents' rights, education, uh, things like this. It resonated with, with parents. It resonated with moms, right? But how do we get past the lie factor? And when I say the lie factor, uh, no matter what the issue is, if it's uh, abortion, okay, Prop three, and, and for you, Prop one, or I'm sorry, for Roger, Prop one. Um, we know that this proposal, and here in Michigan, here's what we did. Look, proposal three uh, removes all parental rights, parental consent, and allows abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Okay, But then the other side was running TV commercials using the word lie, saying they are lying to you. This doesn't remove parental consent. It doesn't uh, remove restrictions on abortion. They are lying to you. And I'm sitting there watching this going, you have to be kidding me. They are lying about us lying. And so on my show, I'm reading the actual verbiage of the constitutional amendment to my listeners, but my show can only reach so many people. Right. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, they, they, they bought 
the lie. And if there's any issue that we do that, hey, parents, we, 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 like uh, Ron DeSantis' message in Florida, hey, we're going to stand up for parents, we're going to fight for parents. But part of what Ron DeSantis was willing to do was also fight the other side and say, no, we are not going to allow drag queens to gender confuse our kindergartners. We are not going to allow that. So that was kind of a Donald Trump in-your-face attack while at the same time Warm and Fuzzy were standing up for parents. So how do we get past the lie factor that no matter what we talk, if we talk about school choice, John, uh, we can do it in a warm, uh, positive, affirming way for moms. Hey, we want to give you that school choice for low-income moms, especially inner city. But we know the liberal left is going to run commercials saying that's a lie. You're just trying to destroy our public schools uh, with your school choice programs. How do we how do we handle the lie factor it, it, it without looking like the- Trump? comes down to the education side of the fence which again you said it earlier bob we don't do very well at that we're the engineers trying to explain how something works which by the way at the last you know that's the last person you want selling your product you want your marketing team selling your product not the engineer that designed it we have a problem in the you said it very well we have a problem in the republican party the engineers run things rather than the marketing department right well we don't don't explain it what is the answer that well enough you know, if what I is, what, what in, is the answer then? How do we fix that? Go ahead, Neil. Yeah. yeah. You know, another example of that that I think applies in New York State, you know, we just came off of COVID about a year ago. I think most of us were done with it two years ago. But the re- reality is, I mean, businesses are fully open. Kids will go back to school without masks and that kind of thing. So who was it that was locking down New York State? It was Andrew Cuomo originally. Then it was Kathy Hochul who wouldn't give up her, you know, emergency powers and then began, you know, floating the idea of vaccine mandates for children. Well, now you're on, like, precious territory. When you start telling parents what you're going to be doing with their kids, that you'll have no say over, that's an important issue. Lee Zeldin was saying, if I get elected governor, uh, there will be no vaccine mandates, period. Bottom line. Almost like a DeSantis kind of statement. And willing to take on the other side in that issue. Hoka wanted nothing to do with it, said, well, you know, those things, so they'll, they'll be talked about later. And of course, we all know it comes down to the legislature anyway, which is saying government will decide. Those are the kind of issues that, which is exactly what you're talking about. We need to sit down face to face with other people, show them in black and white, like Bob, you did on your radio show every day. And, you know, sometimes with coalition leaders, more than just your neighbor, but I think it, we need to do both. We need to sit down with our neighbors, sit down with our family members who aren't seeing things the way conservatives are seeing things, but also some of the leaders of, of you know, um, young Republicans or uh, young Democrat groups coming out of colleges and universities, getting into coffee shops, you know, going to places where you can gather with people and show them in black and white what's actually being said and what's actually in those bills, what's actually in those arguments, and help people to change their mind. Because we are not winning the, uh, the war on, uh, on reality. We're not winning the war on what's right. Uh, simply by hoping that everybody remembers that things were better under Donald Trump and they're really bad today under Joe Biden, so therefore we hope they all swing back to the Republican Party. There's like real issues people that actually need to know about, the nuts and bolts of it, and somehow we've got to explain it with our heart, not as engineers like John just said. So, Roger, how do we get Republican politicians to be able to do that? How do we find those those very rare Ronald Reagan uh, kind of Republican politicians who's able to stand on principle, but at the same time communicate like the marketing department and not like the engineer? And 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 I, and I have to throw in the lie factor. How do we get past the lie factor? Because we can educate all day long, but when the education that we present is taken down and blocked from social media, and the mainstream media won't run with it, and Democrats run 
run dishonest ads saying, oh, they're lying. Uh, how do we get around stuff like that? Well, you know, you, uh, something Daniil said, you know, we have to win the heart of the argument as well. And I know I have a lot of Christian friends who are very conservative. All over their social media yesterday was red wave, red wave, red wave. And, and of course, you know, that didn't happen. And I started asking myself, well, I wonder how many of these people do little more than just watch Fox News, figure out that they think they're going to win because the pollsters got it wrong, and then just kind of sit back and fire away these missives. It takes that one-to-one, you know, that connectable point from person to person, really have, having a conversation with people you don't agree with. I mean, understanding the people you're like-minded with in terms of values are going to vote that way, right? I mean, the, more often than not. So you don't have to spend a lot of time talking to them. You really do have to reach across the aisle. And I think about a, a wise prof- professor I had in seminary who was talking about the whole for you part of the Lutheran uh, tradition. Oh, Martin Luther, you know, remember Jesus died for you. You're paying the penalty for your sins. And basically said, look, it, it boils down to this. If I told you that the bank had a million dollars in sitting in savings right now, how would you respond? You'd say, well, that's good. It's a bank. I hope it has a million dollars. What if I told you there's a bank that has a million dollars in an account for you? What would you do? Well, I'd be over there in a minute, right? I want my million bucks. You have to mm-hmm. appeal to the heart that says this is for you personally, not just for Republicans. This is for Christians. This is for conservatives or lesbians or drag queens or whatever. This is for you that we're talking about and i think there's still a disconnect and that's something that it's going to take years to overcome i don't think it's going to get changed in 2024 my biggest concern is that donald trump's going to announce next week that he's going to run ron DeSantis is also going to run can you imagine the united states being run by ron DeSantis and nikki haley i can too but how do you convince enough people in a short amount of time that are still on the donald trump hangover going yeah but when trump won yeah okay but that was 2016 that was six years ago the world has changed exponentially since then. We have to deal with what's in front of us right now and how it helps you and me, how it impacts you, what is being done for you, and who will do for you what you want done. And the more we can message that, the more we can have those those conversations, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of training, and it takes a lot of biting your tongue. So you don't just come in and it's like John said, said, well, I'm right and you're wrong, so here it is. Vote for me. You know, that that's right. that, the, the, we have to be a lot more subtle. I mean, let's, let's face it, as Christians now, we have to play every game like it's an away game till Jesus comes back. Yeah, this is true. And that's a good final word, too, because we're, we're on the end of our our podcast here. But let me just kind of wrap this up by reminding everybody of something, too. For everybody that's listening right now, I know, we all know that there are a lot of you that are maybe feeling a sense of discouragement and frustration and throw up your hands and what can we do and, you know, what's happening to America and how, look, look we can grieve for this country while at the same time we can strategically uh, regroup and figure out how to message and brand better and, and how to compete better. But all of this, all of this is under the heading of this basic truth, okay? Jesus Christ is still Lord. God is still on his throne, and our hope is in him. It's not in these elections. It's a, look, I hope that the Republican Party uh, uh, gets better, okay, at messaging. We all hope that they do that, but our hope is not in winning future elections. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, and we, we all know that. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves uh, and each other of that, too. So don't be disheartened, everybody out there. God's not surprised by anything. He He's not biting his fingernails. And remember, we win in the end anyway. Okay, so, but we appreciate all of you folks listening. 
We do. Uh, you can listen to past episodes of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast by going to uh, Apple Podcast Stitcher, tune in, certainly CrawfordMediaGroup.net. If you'd like to watch a video of this podcast, you can do that at MyHopeNow.com. And Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, great catching up with you. Great conversation. Looking forward to next week. You too. Thank you, Bob. Hey, Bob. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn. Saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.